So this morning I'd like to uh, speak a little bit to the uh, five subjects for frequent recollection. And that's, you know, that's a set of uh, subjects, in particular monastics, you know, uh, trained to reflect on every day, ideally. And I think, you know, all uh, beings who are born and who get old and who, who get sick and die would do well, you know, to keep those reflections in mind because, you know, not in order to get kind of negative about this, but it's it's a support for balancing out our mind, you know, giving the mind like something to reflect on which is not so obvious in, when we go through daily life. And I said it earlier in the retreat that, you know, the four foundations of mindfulness, the different meditation tools which the Buddha has offered us, they are like different ways of emphasizing a certain feature of experience we usually overlook because we are so kind of carried away by what you know, is experienced through the senses, especially the eye sense and you know, smelling, touching, hearing. But these truths, you know, the Buddha instructs us to look at, they are, we have to be, you know, kind of pay extra attention because they, we can't really see them so easily just with the sense organs. And this five subject for recollection is another, you know, set of instructions which we can use, you know, in order to balance out our usual way of perceiving the world and ourselves. They bring things into perspective for us. And it doesn't mean, you know, that we should be, you know, only think about death and sickness and old age and not enjoy life, but it helps, you know, to give a counterbalance, to not get carried away. And it's, a, it's always about the middle path and the Buddha's teaching. That's what I find really so um, special about this teaching, you know. It doesn't deny anything. It doesn't deny the beauty and the glory and the joy and all of the peak experiences we can have. Even though joy is considered a very important uh, ingredient for liberation and for insight, it's even one of the seven factors of enlightenment, because without joy the mind will not settle. So joy is very important, but also we need to see the other side of things. And you know, and an enlightened being is basically able to keep both of those truths at once in the mind, you know, knowing the beauty and knowing death, and they belong together. And that's what wisdom is all about, you know, so being able to hold those both extremes in the mind and not get carried away on any of those two sides 
and enables us to have a really broad mind and then in that awareness you know everything is just taking its natural course it's not in our control but we can know what is happening so those five subjects I am of the nature to age I'm of the nature to sicken I'm of the nature to die and all that is mine, beloved and pleasing, will become otherwise, will become separated from me. And then the last one, I am the owner of my karma, which means, you know, I have to live with the repercussions of my actions, my intentional actions. Karma means action. So reflecting on those five subjects, can really help you know, to cool down the mind and uh, propels us towards you know wanting to practice. And uh, you know doing those five subjects helps us you know to understand I am not exempt from that fate. Because when we are when we are really very young we have no idea that we not exempt from that fate, you know, and then depending on what people experience in their life sooner or later, you know, it, it hits home, yes, you know, I'm also going to die, I can also get sick, and all of those things, it can be quite a shock, you know, if we haven't really familiarized ourselves with that. So it's, it's, it's really the most radical way of looking and working with impermanence. That's like real impermanence operating. And if we can make space for that, then paradoxically, you know, it, it makes us feel more alive. There's maybe first a, a certain phase of resistance and not wanting to look at it, but once we have integrated it, it makes us feel more alive and we are more in touch with the preciousness of, of this human birth and you know, that we have enough health that we can come here. And also, you know, it makes us kind of be more realistic about what we can expect, you know, from, from a human body. And that all of that, you know, really protects us from getting lost in the, in the world. And an interest, you know, in worldly matters starts to fade out a little bit. And, and we, we get more and more interested in the Dhamma. And there's a, a special Bali word for that, it's called Samvega. Sense of urgency, a sense of disenchantment. Because we suddenly see, you know, all of those ideas we have had about the world, all of those fantasies, they are not really <coughs> the way things are. And it brings it all into balance. And it can be, you know, accompanied by sadness and grief and remorse and all kinds of things, but that's okay. You know, letting go of ignorance is not an easy business, really. But the earlier we do it, the better it is. 
and it's not you know, that we have to gain something new it's just we are letting go of layers and layers of of conditioning you know which you know distracts us from what's really happening like you know I think Aya Santusik was mentioning that some days ago you know about peeling back the skin and looking underneath a body you know what's in there it's certainly not not beautiful and it doesn't mean you know that there is that there is not beautiful people yes they do exist but also the truth is you know that if you if you cut open a body it's not a beautiful sight what you see there so holding both truths at the same time that's what we want to train ourselves in through this practice and it and it leads to cooling of the, what's called the defilements, greed, hatred, and all of the other strong energies which can be activated, you know, when when these tendencies to greed and hatred have the right causes and conditions, they just flare up, you know, like a explosion sometimes. And through those those contemplations, you know, we can uh, it's, it's like almost like you know if something is burning very brightly you just take away the oxygen and it dies down and this is how those contemplations work And I want to share with you this morning uh, a contemplation on death. And it's called Maranasati. This is a, you know, a ancient practice. Marana means death, and Sati mindfulness, mindfulness of death. And I'm just gonna guide you through that. And you know, remembering that. The Dhamma of death is a preparation to the vastness from which we emerge. And then when the time of death comes, we go back. And it consists of three main themes. The first one is death is inevitable. The second one is arrival of death is uncertain. And the third one is when we die we have to relinquish everything. So I'm just gonna you know read out those themes and they have each theme has three sub themes. I'm just gonna read that out and you just you know let it go through your mind as I read it. No need to hold on to anything, just let it like flushing something through. So we just start, start by like sitting in a comfortable posture we can sustain for 30 minutes and then just bring your mindfulness to the body breathing in and breathing out.
the first reflection is death is inevitable. How do we know this? Every other being who lived before me has died. Powerful kings of the past, presidents, the wealthy, famous, glory, holy ones, all have died. I can't be an exception. Death comes along at the moment of birth. We always think death lies in the future, but actually at the moment I am born, my death has co-arisen, always lurking in the background. When causes and conditions come, I have to die. Every moment I'm moving closer to death. At morning when the sun rises, it moves ever closer to sunset. So from birth to the prime of life to old age, I draw ever closer to death. Every year, every month, every day, every hour, every minute, every second, I draw closer to my end. you know whatever those reflections bring up in yourself in your body and in your mind just making space for that like resetting the system by putting in some new information there's a bit of a turmoil maybe going on and just this is natural making space for new information then the next sub of the three main themes is arrival of death is uncertain. At the time of the time of death is unpredictable. Some be beings die as children, adolescents, the prime of their life, middle age, old age. We don't know when we will die. 
place of my death is unpredictable. I could die in hospital, in my room, at home, while driving, while I'm in a plane, while hiking, while swimming, so many different ways I could die. <coughs> place of my death is unpredictable. cause of my death is unpredictable. Could die from an accident, stroke, cancer, get killed. There's so many different ways how we can die. We're just dying peacefully after a long life. And if you're tired, open your eyes. And then we come to the next main theme. When we die, we have to relinquish everything. All material possessions and status Position, name, fame, all external acquisitions have to be left behind. who are near and dear. I will be separated from my parents, my children, my spouse, my friends, my relatives. 
my acquaintances. I have to go alone. my body and my personality, my whole identity based on it must be given up. We can only take our karmic volitions, formations and disposition of character which we have cultivated through practice. That's the only quote-unquote thing we can take when we die. That's why practice is so important. All of the good qualities which we have been cultivating through the practice, they will accompany us to the next life. They cannot be lost. can just sit for a few minutes and then we can go through the three main themes once more and you know and whatever happens in your system body and mind percolating you know some resistance coming up some maybe boredom coming up not wanting to really connect with this just be aware of it there's no nothing which needs to happen in a particular way Just being with what is. And not turning away. We all have a different way how we relate to this. That's fine.
This is really the most radical practice of impermanence. And we can go through the main themes once more. Death is inevitable. My death is inevitable. is uncertain. Arrival of my death is uncertain. In terms of time, place and cause. The third one, when we die we have to relinquish everything. Death is inevitable. Time, place and cause of my death is uncertain. And when I die I have to relinquish everything. External. And we can take with us only the good qualities and the not so good qualities which we have cultivated in our mind stream. And this is why practice is so vital. <coughs> motivated the Buddha <coughs> in his great compassion to teach that truth, you know. And the fact, you know, that so many beings are not aware of that. They are getting lo completely lost in the external world, accumulating this and that, not knowing that when they die, or not really fully knowing that when they die they can't take anything with them.
we can sit again for a few minutes and just allowing the space in the body and mind to just have that information be there no need to do anything with it just let it sit there and taking an interest what's happening. That's like the second factor of enlightenment, Dhamma Vichaya or interest, curiosity, investigation of Dhammas. And maybe a bit of energy, you know, to stay with it. And because it's a very sobering way of looking at life, you know, it can bring a sense of tranquility and, and feeling really connected to life. That's a sense of, it's not really joy, but maybe a sense of contentment, of being really here, wholeheartedly, samadhi. You know, and embracing the way things are, having a perspective on things. Upeka, equanimity. So this all seven factors of enlightenment are activated in this way. that you know makes us capable to even strengthen the mindfulness, sharpen it more. Just making space for the laws of nature to take place, not fighting that. then we can you know, bring in the kind of summary of all of those contemplations we just did we can summarize it in one sentence death is inevitable and later on you know when you go out into the forest for walking meditation you can see it left and right everywhere Know, trees rotting back into the earth and fertilizing the earth and then new growth is coming out and how beautiful and how mysterious that is it's constantly happening
and the earth, you know, under our feet when we walk outside, consists of all, you know, dead matter, which has, you know, kind of fallen to the ground and then unites with the ground by just falling apart. And then new life comes out of that. And that's the way things are. And we are not exempt from that fate. We are just part of that process. And there's peace in that. We don't need to take that also personal. It's the way of life. Death is not the opposite of life. Death is the opposite of birth. And life contains birth and death. And for the last few minutes of this meditation, at the end it's you know, it's good to bring in something uplifting to the mind. For example, yesterday Chitananda was speaking about Buddhanusati, you know, reflecting on the qualities of the Buddha in order to uplift the mind. Because we have those same qualities in ourselves, in seed form at least, and we can cultivate those. And for example, you know, uh, considering that the Buddha was motivated by his great compassion, because beings weren't aware of those things I was just leading you through. They weren't aware that they are not exempt from that faith. 
and they weren't aware that the only quote-unquote thing we can take with us when we die is the wholesome qualities which we have been cultivating in our mind stream. Out of compassion, he has decided to teach even if it would be very difficult and because it's a very subtle teaching in some ways. But still, out of compassion, he stepped out and was teaching for about 45 years after his death, or 40 years. And we are still beneficiary of that great compassion of the Buddha. <clears throat> How wonderful that is. After such a long time, 2,500 and some more years ago, he made that decision. You know, to set the wheel of Dhamma rolling and it's still rolling. And we are still benefiting from it in a far away location. So we all have a good karmic backdrop to be able to benefit in this way. So that should be uplifting unto us. Just using this uh, good fortune we all share, using it wisely, not squandering that. Because death is inevitable and we don't know when it's going to come. It could come any moment. And when we go outside after this meditation, we can see it in the forest, all around us. And it's not scary, it's just what it is. It's a constant change. One of the three characteristics of life, impermanence,
Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.